your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. We read a few verses from that chapter earlier. While you're turning, we'll dismiss all the children up through age 8, all the children up through age 8. If you'd like to go to Children's Church, you're welcome to go. Of course, you don't have to go. You're welcome to stay with your family, but we do appreciate our faithful workers. If you'll find the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24... I want to just in a very practical way this morning share with you what to me is one of my favorite passages of scripture concerning the Easter story. Now I thought this week how that, and I mentioned this in the sunrise service, that the message of resurrection is a central message of the Bible. We could go back, the Bible said, uh, the prophets of the Old Testament, Psalm 2, Psalm 16, Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, all we believe prophesied that the Messiah would come and die and rise again. Abraham pictured the truth of resurrection back in Genesis 22 when he took his son Isaac up on uh, Mount Moriah to offer him as a sacrifice. And in the New Testament book of Hebrews, it says that, that Abraham believed that God was going to raise his son from the dead. There on the, and all this was a picture and type of the Lord Jesus Christ. All through the Gospels, Jesus time and time again talked about and foretold the fact that he would not only be crucified, but that he would be buried and rise again. And in all four Gospels, we have an account a historical account of the actual resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you read the book of Acts, it was the center, center of the message. It's not only that Christ died for our sins, but that he was buried and rose again. Paul said, we preach Christ crucified, risen, and living. All through the New Testament epistles, the Holy Spirit through the apostles and writers of the New Testament epistles gives us the doctrinal reasons why it's so important that Christ not only die but that he be risen again from the dead and then you go all the way to the last book of the Bible the book of Revelation as we read a few verses earlier today in one of the other services how that that the heaven is a that we see the Lamb of God that was slain but alive and doing well as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and He's coming again. Amen. So the whole doctrine of resurrection and even the, the, the prophecies and the pictures and the fulfillment and the preaching of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a message from the beginning to the end of the Bible. But what can that do for us, practically speaking, today? Well, if you turn to the Gospel of Luke with me, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 13, and this is that story of the two disciples that were on their way from Jerusalem to a little village about six or eight miles, which would be about like walking from here to Walmart and Waynesboro. Walking from here to Walmart and Waynesboro? Come on, preacher, you got to be joking. The furthest I've ever walked in my life is from the couch to the mailbox and back. Amen. <laughs> But you know, some of us can remember walking further that in our lifetime. And back in Bible days, to walk six or eight miles was nothing. And here's two people just like you and me. It may have been a husband and wife. We have one of them's name. One of them is unnamed. And they were in Jerusalem this past week. They saw all so many things happen. Perhaps they even witnessed with their own eyes the crucifixion of Christ and all the horrible things that were done. And it's no longer 
Easter Sunday morning, it's afternoon, maybe mid-afternoon, maybe three or four o'clock, drawing toward the evening. So it's sometime Sunday afternoon, and this man, two disciples, maybe it's man and wife, we don't know, they're on their way from Jerusalem to this little village, Emmaus. They're on their way home. And let's be reminded of what happens in their lives, beginning in Luke chapter 24, verse 13. And behold, two of them, that is two of the believers, two of the disciples, went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. And they talked together. Now just picture, here. here's this two disciples, either two men or a husband and a wife, and they're talking together. And what are they talking about? All these things which had happened. My goodness, they had plenty to talk about. Perhaps all the events that had taken place during that week and that Passover celebration. But I suspect most of what they were talking about is what had happened to this one called Jesus just a couple of days before. And verse 15 says, And it came to pass while they communed. They talked together. They communed together. And reasoned. Now you'll notice at least three times they talked to each other. They were communing. They were reasoning. In other words, they were having some serious discussion and communication one with another. And I can imagine why, can't you? And then the Bible says in verse, at the end of verse 15, and as they were talking and communing and reasoning together, just the two of them on their way home, the Bible says Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Well, wait a minute. He he had just been crucified about three days before. He's alive, amen. And then something amazing happens in verse 16. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. Now somehow God, the Lord Jesus Christ, concealed his identity and he did not reveal himself to them. And so now we don't know. I don't believe that all of a sudden they're walking along and boom, poof, right there he, he appeared. Perhaps he was waiting there on the roadside resting as they walked by. Maybe he came, maybe it was a forks in the road or an intersection. And, and Jesus, it just so happens they meet each other. That Nothing just so happens with Jesus, amen. It's all planned ahead of time. And so they meet. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever met someone, shook their hand and was talking to them and you had no idea at the moment who you were talking to? I, oh, we could all tell stories. I remember one time I was shaking the hand and talking to one of our state senators and had no idea at that moment who I was talking to. I remember one time, all of you are familiar with Pensacola Christian College and Dr. Horton and his wife, Rebecca, who all the Abeka material is named after Rebecca, the wife of Dr. Horton the founder of Pensacola Christian College. I was standing there shaking the hand of Rebecca Horton one time, and I said, ma'am, and what's your name? Who are you? My son's introducing me to her. And I said, nice to meet you, ma'am. I said, and who are you? And she said, I'm Rebecca Horton. And I go, oh, Rebecca. I'm sorry, I didn't realize. She said, well, why should you know who I am? You know, boy. And uh, can you imagine being with Jesus? Talking to Jesus and not realizing, well, are they in for a pleasant surprise? And look what happens. In verse 17, And he, Jesus, said unto them, 
What manner of communications? You're talking, you're communing, you're reasoning with one another. What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? Sad. It's obvious you're into deep discussions and reason. You're, you're trying to figure something out. You're, you're perplexed, you're puzzled. And by the way, We all find ourselves in these places sometimes, aren't we? And notice they respond in verse 18, And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, we know one of them's name, answering unto Jesus, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? (laughs) Can you imagine that? I don't know how Jesus kept from smiling, do you? Are are you just a stranger in Jerusalem? Are Are you not aware of what's happened? Art thou only a stranger and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And look what Jesus said. And Jesus said unto them, What things? What things? Now, you know, Jesus knows exactly how to minister to every one of us, doesn't he? What things? And they said unto him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, and that's true, but he's much more than a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, all the miracles he did, all the teaching. And verse 20, and these things, aren't you aware, verse 20, of how the chief priests, the religious leaders and our rulers, our political rulers and leaders, delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him? And we, but we, we trusted, we hoped that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And they're not thinking there of spiritual redemption. They're thinking of political redemption, economical redemption, and on and on we could go. We had hoped he would be the Messiah, the political leader, the world leader that we've so longed for. By the way, he is that and he's coming again, amen. And that's the future. And everything that was written about his first coming was fulfilled and everything that's been written about his second coming will be fulfilled, amen. Not only are they sad, now they're hopeless. Their dreams have been smashed. They said, we had trusted, verse 21, that he would have delivered Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since all these things were done. And on top of all that, just to make us more confused and more perplexed and puzzled, verse 22, yea, and certain women also of our company, of our own believers and disciples, made us astonished. I mean, they just amazed us which were early at the sepulcher. Earlier this morning, they were at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came to us saying that they had seen a vision of angels and that Jesus was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it empty, even as the women said, but Jesus they saw not. Can you imagine the how puzzled, how perplexed, sad. I'd say they're having some serious discussions, aren't they? 
And verse 25, Then Jesus said unto them, O fools. Now, actually what he's saying is, Oh, how foolish. He's not calling them fools in disrespect or the way we sometimes have used the word fool. He's saying, oh, how foolish. There's something so foolish. What? Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe. All, I underline that, that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ, if you understand the Old Testament scriptures, ought not the Messiah to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? That has to do with the resurrection and the ascension, by the way. Jesus Christ is not going to be King of Kings and Lord of Lords one day. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords this moment. Amen. Hopefully you know Him as your Savior, and hopefully we allow Him to be the King and Lord of our lives at this very moment. Amen. Verse 27. Now imagine, they still don't know who it is. And beginning at Moses, the Pentateuch, and the prophets, He, during this walk from Steward's Draft to Walmart in Waynesboro, He gives them a survey in the Old Testament Scriptures. Wow, they must be thinking, are you a professor at Pensacola Christian College? Who in the world are you? Wow. And at Moses and the prophets, verse 20, he expounded of them all, all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would go further. Now, you know what? Jesus sometimes will test us. Do you want to know me better? Do you want to know any more? He made as though he would keep going. And look what, look what happened. In verse 29 it says, And they constrained him. Oh, it's getting close to supper time. Would you like, come in and, 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 and abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And Jesus went in to tarry with them, You know what? He didn't push himself on them. They could have said, man, this has been great. We'll hope to see you again sometime. But they invite him in. By the way, you'll never truly know Jesus till you're willing to humble your heart and invite him in and receive him as your Savior. You understand that this morning? Now watch this. And it came to pass, verse 30, as he set it meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. Wow. <laughs> I mean, sit down sometime and try to imagine. I think I'd have been on the floor passed out. How about you? Huh? And he just vanished out of their sight. And verse 32, they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked? <laughs> now, if this was a man and wife, I can see him turning to her and say, Honey, I did a lot of talking. You have did a lot of talking. We've done a lot of talking. But oh, when he talked and we listened to him, didn't our heart burn within us while he opened to us 
what? The scriptures. Now that's called spiritual heartburn, folks. Now if you study that, what that's saying is, didn't the light come on? Oh, weren't we illuminated? Oh, how we saw like we had never seen before when he began to open the scriptures up to us. And they got all excited. Look at verse 33. And they said, honey, we don't have time to shop at Walmart. We got to head back to Steward's Draft. Look at this, verse 33. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them. And many believe that as this couple or these two disciples Approach the eleven. It's the eleven that are saying this now. It's not this couple or these two. As they approach, many believe it's this group now that's saying to them, Hey, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they're thinking, Believe me, we know he's risen indeed. Look what they say in verse 35. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking the bread. And as they were speaking, verse 36, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified. Now I know we would quickly say, what's wrong with these bunch of nutheads? I think had you and I been there and all that had gone on that week, that weekend, right or not, I think we'd have been struggling with some of the things, the same things they were struggling with, wouldn't we? And they were terrified and affrighted, verse 37, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And Jesus said unto them, verse 38, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your heart? By the way, did you know Jesus has had to say that to me quite a few times in my life? Frank, why are you so troubled? And the word thoughts there has to do with fears and anxieties. Boy, we live in a world of troubles and problems and heartaches, don't we? And Jesus said, why? Why are you troubled? And why do you allow your heart to be so full of anxiety? Verse 39, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see me, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed him his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed, not for joy, it was just too good to be true, and wondered at these things, they marveled. He said unto them, Have you any meat, any food? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. And he said, These things are the words which I spoken to you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. And then, verse 45, opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. And Jesus said unto them, verse 46, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Can I share three thoughts with you very quickly? Number one, it's important that I believe all 
the Scripture of the Word of God. Can you say amen to that? It's important that I believe, and with the help of God and the Holy Spirit, that I not only believe, but seek to study and learn and understand all the truth of God's Word. And by the way, that'll continue till you take your last breath and get to heaven. You'll never know it all and understand it all this side of heaven. Amen. Jesus said, remember back in verses 25 and 26, Oh, how foolish and slow of heart not to believe all the prophets and all the scriptures. You see, we're living in a day where people take what they like and throw what they don't like in the trash can. We'll take what we believe about the humanity of Christ, but don't feed me this baloney about the deity of Christ. Oh, yes, he was a great prophet and a great teacher. No, if he was not the Son of God, he was the biggest fake and biggest liar that ever walked the face of this earth because over and over again he claimed to be one, equal. He claimed to be deity. You can't have it both ways, amen? Some say, hey, we don't want the Old Testament. That's not for us. We'll just take the New Testament. Some say, oh, we believe in heaven. Everybody wants heaven, but there's no hell. We believe in a God of mercy and grace and love, but all this wrath of God, absolutely, what kind of a God is that? I remember one time handing a businessman a gospel track. And by, this happens very seldom, and don't let this scare you from giving out gospel tracks. I could count on my hand how many times this has happened in my lifetime, but I remember handing a gospel track to a man, businessman one time, and he looked at it, and he said, he, boy, he right in my face, he blew up, and he said, don't tell me about this slaughterhouse religion. What kind of a God would torture his own son like you Christians believe God did his son on the cross of Calvary? And I said, sir, I'll tell you what kind of God would do that, a God that loves you that much, and it shows you how horrible your sin is and how holy God is. And how merciful. Some call it a slaughterhouse religion. And yet the Bible says it's only through the blood of Jesus that our sins are washed away. I say it's important in this day. Some people say, well, it may have been a sin back under the book of Leviticus, but it's no longer a sin today. Let's love everybody and accept every lifestyle under heaven. No, it's important in these days. Jesus said, oh, how foolish. Not just to believe the things about Jesus as utmost important as that is, but all the scriptures and all the word of God. Amen. It's important that we believe and understand all the scriptures. And then number two, it's important that our eyes be opened and we know who Jesus is. Let me ask you a question today. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Oh, you can know a lot about Christ. You can, you, can, you, can, you can learn the, the, the crucifixion story and the resurrection story and stand up and tell it in beautiful words and beautiful terms and you can feel the water and you can, you can do a wonderful job and you can know it all up in your head. But has your eye, spiritually speaking, has the Spirit of God ever opened your eyes to see the truth? Have you ever come to Jesus with a repentant heart? Can you say, hey, we... I know him personally. I know what a change the living Savior can make. I know the forgiveness. I know the, the, the peace. I know the joy that only the Holy Spirit of God can give in my heart because I know Jesus as my personal Savior. And then another thing real quick. If you'll look down at verse 47, Luke chapter 24 and verse 47, and that repentance 
and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. Was Jesus saying to those people at that time, was it just for them that they were to take the gospel to the every nation of the world? Or is it for you and I today? Oh, I tell you today, it's so important that we know and understand the truth of God. Amen. It's so important today that you personally know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And it's so important today that every one of us be a witness for Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, when I say be a witness, what comes to your mind? Now, some of you may think, well, that means handing someone a gospel track. Well, that would certainly be a part of it. Some of you may think, oh, that's what you Baptists mean when you talk about going out on visitation and knocking on doors or ringing doorbells and and going soul winning or whatever. And certainly that includes that. Did you know if you study this word witness, it actually comes from a word we get the word martyr from. Martyr from. And when Jesus said, hey, notice in verse 46 he said, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance. Can you say that word with me? And that what? Repentance and remission of sins be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. And so what he's asking is the, the command, it's not an, he's not, a, it's a command from the commander in chief. He's not just saying, are you willing to give out a track here and there? Or are you willing to go out on church visitation? Or are you willing to invite someone to church with you? What he's saying is, are you willing to even become a martyr for Christ if necessary? And many of our brothers and sisters in Christ, they know the reality of that, don't they? even in our lifetime in this Easter weekend. And all of a sudden, it almost makes giving out a gospel track as important as that is, almost nothing, almost nothing in being a witness. It's important. It's a witness with your life. I ask myself this question. Does the street I live on, is it a little brighter place in this old dark world? Because there's a born-again Christian or a born-again family living there? Is the factory you work in, the school you attend, the neighborhood you live in, is your life soft and light? As Paul said in Philippians, in this crooked, perverse, wicked generation and world we live in, am I making any difference? By the grace of God, and it's only Christ living through us, and is my life, is my testimony... And what am I doing, practically speaking, to get this good news of the death, burial, and resurrection, this only message of the gospel that has the power of God, of salvation? And by the way, sinners still need to come to Jesus with a repentant heart, amen, acknowledging their sin and putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now it's wonderful to talk about the wonderful truth of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus But can I wrap it up very quickly by saying this? May God help us as Jesus told these two, two people just like you and me many years ago, said, oh, how foolish 
not to believe all that God said and seek to understand as much of it as you can. Oh, how foolish to go through this life and learn so much about Jesus and die and go to hell because you don't really know Jesus as your personal Savior. And oh, how foolish to be a born-again Christian by the grace of God and not by the grace of God with your life and your lips and your hand be a witness to others of the most important message, the most important news this world could ever receive. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? Would you bow your heads in prayer with me today? Bow your head. Oh, how we rejoice that we have a living Savior. And we have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. And He can illuminate the truth of God to our hearts. And oh, we can say with this couple, oh, how our hearts did burn within us the moment we found Christ as our Savior. And through our Christian lives, as God has opened the Word to us and helped us to understand somewhat of it, oh, how our hearts burn within us. What a joy it is. And what a joy it is to be an ambassador for Christ and a witness to others. Father, while our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and God, you know each of us today, and Lord, we're not out walking home on a path, but oh God, we speak to you through prayer. And we believe, Lord Jesus, through the Word of God today and the Holy Spirit, you can speak to our heart, you can speak to my heart and life, just like you ministered to that couple or those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And I pray to God that today, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would just take the truth of your word. If there's someone here today unsaved, oh, draw them to Jesus that they may be saved today. Lord, in these times in which we're living and all the issues that we're dealing with in our society, God, help us not to be so foolish that we refuse to believe your word and apply it to our lives and the situations we find ourselves living in. And God, just stir our hearts and fill us with your spirit to, be the, to live the lives and be the witnesses that you want us to be for your honor and glory. And God, we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you stand with me just for a moment? And very quickly this morning, here's what I want you to do. The piano's going to play just a verse or two. And while the piano's playing, and heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Is Easter really real to you today? Do you know this Jesus as your Savior? If you're here today and you're not saved, would you like for one of our men or one of our ladies pray with you? Take the Bible. I know there's a good crowd here today. And, but if you nudge the person beside of you, they'll let you out. And Walking down this church aisle will not save you. But it will give someone an opportunity to pray with you and help you. Just like the people we read about in the Bible, they needed others to come alongside of them and help them. We don't have Jesus here in a physical body this morning, but the Holy Spirit can use someone else's mouth to help you understand the Scriptures. If we can help you today, would you come? Most important, if you're not absolutely sure that Christ is your Savior. And right where we stand today, would you ask God to help you?
to reaffirm your convictions this morning that the Bible is the Word of God and we need to believe all of it, study it, learn it, apply it to our lives, take a stand for the truth of God in these times in which we're living. And may God help us to be a witness with our lives, our lips, in every way we can to get the truth, especially the gospel of Jesus Christ out to a lost world. I'm going to ask the pianist to play one more verse and that'll be all. Make decisions in your heart that will count for time and eternity. We're going to see Jesus one day. Oh, I know Peter said those, we've never seen him, but we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Yes, hallelujah. We see him today by the eye of faith. One day we'll see him face to face. It'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. Amen. Make decisions in your heart to count for time. Give yourself anew and afresh to Jesus this morning. If we can help you, let us know. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Look right back this way, please. Well, is it good to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Don't forget, if you're here visiting today, go by that table, take a book or a CD, and I believe there's plenty out there. If you go by and pick up one of those little packets and just be reminded the price that was paid for your redemption and mine. Amen. But thank God that tomb is empty. We have a living Savior. And take those with you, a little something to remember this Easter Sunday here at Valley Baptist Church. If we can be of any help to you at all, please let us know. Have a great day with your family, whatever your events are, and let God use you to be a witness and a testimony for Him. Christ is risen. Oh, come on now. Christ is risen. Indeed. Good day. God bless you.